Welcome everyone and good evening to our new weekly show, Hear Me Out. We're your host Hector Montemayor Perez and Betsy Esparza, where we're going to choose a couple topics that benefit and intrigue the community here in the Tri-County area. This week's song, chosen by Betsy herself, is Faith by George Michael, which you're listening to right now. We'll have a playlist so that you can catch up on what we'll be playing on Spotify and Apple Music later on, so stay tuned for that which we'll upload the links to on our Big Ben Radio Facebook page. But keep an eye out for it. We'll get it once it kind of builds up a little bit so you have some stuff to listen to. Or today, Betsy, what are we going to be talking about? Today, we are talking with Worcester County Judge Elazar Cano about Texas Senate Bill 10. Welcome, Judge. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good being here. You ready to get started, Hector? Of course. Welcome, right. Judge Elias Arcano and Betsy Esparza, Hector Montemayor Perez. The show commences now. I hope you got your popcorn, got your soda or water, and hopefully we have a good show. Thanks, Hector. Thank you. So, Senate Bill 10, or we'll just call it SB 10 going forward for short, was introduced by Senator Betancourt of Bear County. And just a really brief synopsis. SB 10 relates to the use by a county or municipality of public money for lobbying. And in a press release, Senator Betancourt said that Texans support this bill um, at roughly 91%, though he doesn't say where that poll comes from or, or where that came from, but it, seem, it seems to have pretty wide support. Um, and I think that generally that's because people hear the word lobbyist and there's sort of a stigma attached to that as kind of an underhanded corporate character of a guy in a smoky room handing out cash under the table. Um, and there's probably some people who have earned, earned that stigma, but not so fast. So there are associations such as the Texas Association of Counties and the Texas Municipal League who act as lobbyists for... <clears throat> counties and cities across the state and they are especially helpful in rural counties and cities who don't have the funds to hire specialists or experts to go to Austin every other year during the session to keep track of what bills are being filed and how they're going to affect um, our communities. Um, so I checked last week with Judge Cano's um, secretary, and Brewster County has paid the, the Texas Association of Counties $685 a year um, since 2018. So about $2,800 over the last four years. Um, to have um, a voice in what's going on, 
uh, in Austin during the legislative session. Um, I think that Senate Bill 10 is, um, with that comes sort of a loss of the voice of rural communities and uh, local control, um, which is expressly Texan. And it also, of course, gives rise to the unfunded mandate, which is a problem uh, every couple of years when, when the legislature meets. Um, the commissioner's court last week, Judge, uh, passed unanimously a resolution against SB 10 and, um, and mentioned those same kinds of things, a loss of voice and, and the unfunded mandate. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and kind of what y'all are thinking as far as SB 10 goes. <clears throat> okay, uh, Betsy. Well, again, thank you for your time uh, this afternoon, and I appreciate the radio stations, you know, invite. Always good to be on the air with, with, uh, with local folks. Um, well, back to our our commissioners' court meeting last week. Um, as you mentioned, Commissioner um, Betsy, I, I was going to say Commissioner Esparza <laughs> because you you were you know I guess was a commissioner always a commissioner. But yeah, one of the things that we talked about in commissioners' court was kind of an overview of what you just you know provided to to our listeners. Basically, that that Senate Bill Ten would um, would would become, in our opinion, something that would work, work against us out here in rural West Texas. Not only are, are we rural, but also the lack of of, of money in our coffers. As you know, uh, you go just sixty miles north of here. And it's the beginning of the Permian Basin with all the oil and gas and refineries and so on and so forth. Right. Here we don't have we don't have the problems that they do. Obviously, the infrastructure is a lot different, but also we don't have the resources to go out and hire the, the high powered attorneys to go to Austin every two years and and do our bidding for us. So, for us and uh, a lot of counties such that that fall into the category that we're in, if not for TAC. And, and, and some of these folks that are there 24-7, around the clock, year-round, year after year, I'm afraid we'd be even further behind the eight ball because we wouldn't have any representation um, in Austin. Um, I'm going to be up there next week for some, some business with, uh, with the tourism folks and, and go visit with uh, some folks at TxDOT. But uh, that trip alone, I'm going to fly out of uh, El Paso, and then it's going to be a, about, about a $400 round-trip flight which, um, amazingly enough, is almost cheaper than, than driving right now. Uh, but that's just for the travel there and back, and then once you get your hotel and so on and so forth, you're looking at a, easily a, a $1,000 you know turnaround uh, by the time I leave Alpine to get sure. back. Sure. And that's just to see one attorney or one outfit, a tech stock, about one issue. Right, with thousands of bills filed every, exactly. every session. Exactly. You, you take that into account with what we're paying uh, tax, you know, the six eighty five a, a year on annual dues, it's a drop in the bucket, you know. Uh, so to us, it's well worth it. Something like Senate Bill Ten, if if that was disallowed because of something like this, then then we would have to figure out a way either to make up the difference to hire the attorney, or hire somebody on staff here locally to keep an eye on those things, or I'd have to spend a lot more time in Austin de- doing what tax currently does for us all of which is going to cost more than 685 dollars a oh, year my. yeah we we would have that'd be probably half of our budget would be spent on attorneys right so i was trying to figure out a way to um provide an example to people to to understand maybe what the difference is here 
And so I came up with this super harebrained hypothetical situation. There's absolutely, this has absolutely no basis in reality, but say Disney World wanted to build a water park in Brewster County and Brewster County is absolutely on board. We think it's going to be great. It's going to bring in all sorts of people, all sorts of money, hotels, grocery stores, fuel, all those things. Right. But we don't have water in Brewster County. So there's going to have to be some sort of change in the legis the the the, uh, the legislature that created our water district and we're on board we're okay with it and jeff davis county meanwhile who with whom we share a water table is would really rather not have this happen we're going to take from their water table and their resources and now they don't have anyone to go to to turn to 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 keep an eye on this as an expert for them. And while Brewster County doesn't have the legal ability to do it either based on Senate Bill 10, Disney World does. And Disney World can pay for people to go and try to make this happen. And so I, I was just trying to kind of come up with a way to animate the difference here and what this kind of would kind of mean for us. And what that means, because we hear Senate Bill 10 or House Bill 385 year to year, but we kind of, we don't always understand exactly how, how does that affect me? And so I, I just kind of came up with that. So I think that that will happen uh, frequently, even, even though your neighbors, you might not have the same priority, but there should be an equal playing field in Austin, right? Um, so uh, Pecos County Judge uh, Joe, Joe Schuster uh, went up to Austin last week I, I, at the invitation of um, our Senator Gutierrez to testify about Senate Bill 10. And um, he, he testified against it. And um, I think that kind of across the board, you're going to see this from cities and counties um, who, would, who would prefer to be able to kind of call their own shots in Austin. And... Um, the Senate, however, passed Senate uh, passed the bill last week, um, 17 to 13. It now goes to the House, and they'll they'll talk about it and maybe make some changes, and then on to the governor. And um, so Rep Representative Morales hasn't had a chance to weigh in yet. Um, but Judge, I was wondering if you had some more examples um, of how something like this affects a rural county. Um, well, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a good, um, a good analogy. You know, um, uh, corporations, you know, the big, the big money, deep pockets, you know, obviously can, can spend more on, on resources, on, on expert, expert witnesses, um, folks in Austin that are keeping an eye on things as they're coming up the pike. And even as they're being, even as these bills are, are being formulated, they got their legal eagles in the room, and it's hard to, but like like you mentioned, Bessie, to have an, an, an even playing field when you're sitting out here in West Texas. And, and I think it's, um, and it's not just West Texas, it's a lot of rural counties around the state. You know, I, I think that we tend to, to sometimes think that we're the only, you know, kind of the only the only one in the crowd that's kind of the outsider looking in. But but honestly, there's there's other other examples. I mean, I can think of, um, you know, say you're playing, you know, sports and, 
and and here you are out in West Texas, and, and it, things seem fine up until you get to district and by district, and then the, the higher up you move in the, in the food chain, then you start playing some of these schools that are the same size, but are the, that are near the urban areas, and, and they have all the kids that, that are not going to the big schools, but be, uh, be intentionally they're, they're at a smaller school, but they have more resources, the coaching staff, the gyms, you know. I think about um, up here just uh, uh, south of Lubbock, um, they got a pool. I mean, this it's a high school, and um, it's one of the richest districts in the in the state. It's not much big, it's not much bigger than Alpine. I think it's a three or maybe a four A now, but it's amazing the difference of, in the facilities and and it's and, you know and that's just kids are kids, but whenever you're coached and, when, and whenever you're brought up and you're groomed from when you're a little guy and you've got all these resources available available to you traveling teams and parents that can you know take the kids every night if they if they you know, want to a different, you know, a different, um, different games and different leagues. And, and that's kind of how I see what, what's happening out here. If not for some level of equity or that, you know, which is back to TAC and some of the, the resources that we can afford, what would happen to counties like us? Well, I think we'd eventually either go broke or we'd have to live with it, you know, and kind of live with decisions that are made you know, in the counties that do have the resources, and then you have the unfunded mandates that we can't afford in the first place, but they can, and now we're being kind of, uh, all these things are being imposed on us versus us having the local control that county governments are designed to have. And, and I think that's where we as local officials really have to do our part, and I'm glad Judge Schuster went. You know, which is interesting because, again, for Stockton, they do have oil and gas money, but in some ways, they're also a lot like us because of where we're at and, and the ruralness of, of, the, of this area. So I, I think it's a combination. It's not just, you know, rich or poor. It, sometimes it's more a matter of, you know, remote and how close are you to the mothership. You know, Austin, Dallas, you know, Houston corridors up there at 35 and going up on I-10, San Antonio, Bear County. Um, I, I think that if we don't do our part to, you know, to to fend for ourselves and, and join with others that, that are in similar situations situations like us, you know, eventually we're going to feel, you know, the hurt down the road, and, and it, it's inevitable. So we it, need to continue to do what we can. It seems to be the the biggest thing is again comes down to that local representation. Yes, sir. Right. And how communities like Alpine, Marfa, Presidio, and and kind of like the tri-county area in general, how how we can't afford the time. And that's one of the things that I tell a lot of people when it comes to just uh, a lobbyist in general. It's more about, um, you know, being able to afford the time, you know, because let's say you're a huge company to break it down, you're a huge company and you have all these meetings, you're a CEO, you have to go through all of this. It's not about what, you know, Tim Cook isn't going, you know, or Elon Musk isn't going to Congress every every time they have a session he has somebody that goes in or he right. has those organizations that help sure. go in and take care of that and so house bill 10 seems to affect that in a very explicit manner where it's tar like it seems like the biggest uh deficit will come to our right. kind of communities right yes. it almost it's it seems to me that it will affect poor rural areas mm -hmm. um in a way that others are not affected um Let's define unfunded mandate real quickly so that everyone knows what we're talking about. So an unfunded mandate is when um, the legislature passes a bill that 
uh, passes down a requirement to counties or, or cities um, with no funding. So it's an unfunded mandate. And one example I can think of for this is the creation of the emergency management coordinator, which is a good thing. So just because it's an unfunded, unfunded mandate doesn't necessarily mean it's not useful, but it puts a burden on small areas. And the emergency management coordinator, we'll just call it the EMC, was created after September 11th as a way to, uh, as, as a liaison between law enforcement and first responders and uh, to coordinate. It is exactly what it says. Um, and it was became a requirement by the state of Texas for every county or city. And it was population-based. So um, Brewster County, for example, can have just one to represent both. Um, and it's, it's, it is a, it's a good plan, but it's expensive for some place like Brewster County to create an entirely new position with an entirely new office who needs all these things. And it costs money. And so th that is the definition of an unfunded mandate, just so that everyone knows. Right. And it's amazing how, how many of these things come down every two years. Um, uh, Sandra Bland Act, you know, the, what happened um, a couple of years, a few years back, uh, someone dies in a, in a, in a holding facility and, and uh, there was some psychiatric history with an individual. And it turns out that it, it's not something that it's it's isolated in a way but in a way it's not you know it's not unique to that one facility with that one person and because of it legislation you know is 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 drafted and, and it's passed and it that was a very emotional type of a response to something that happened that's very tragic without a doubt but if and and so the the, the, the mandate that came down is is having basically 24 7 psych psychiatric care available to counties a psychiatrist to have a psychiatrist on staff you we and that would be our budget right there we can't afford to have you know half a million dollar salary for for one individual to be on standby what's happened is we've you know with technology and some of the like the um what do you call it um telehealth telehealth right telehealth and so we, we've been able to make it work, but it's cost money by way of having, having to enhance the infrastructure. Th uh, thanks to, again, the Internet and, and fiber and some of the things that we have access to out here, we, we are able to make it work. But there's some counties that don't have even the infrastructure to have that kind of capability to have people on standby, you know, even with the Internet, broadband stuff. And that's a whole other category that's going to has some, has, has some attention right now. So yeah, you know, these mandates come down and then you have to get real creative in how to make it work because you're held to that standard. Um, but I guess back to our point is how much more can we absorb without raising taxes, without doing something on the revenue side, you know, here to really deal with an issue or issues that really aren't our issues. It's something that happened elsewhere and now the expectation is, well, now across the board, everybody has to be meeting the standard. Um, it, some of these places in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Houston, Austin, they've got clinics that are 24-7 that do have personnel on staff that could easily be you know, contracting out to do some of this work, but we don't have that luxury. And so I want to pivot a little bit then, because you mentioned uh, how these programs can add up and mm -hmm. then 
you're almost left with no other recourse than to raise taxes to be able to meet. And again, it's not that the county is saying, for example, with the psychiatrist example, it's not that the county is saying, well, we want one. It's you're required to. Right. And it goes back to that unfunded mandate. Right. Therefore, I want to ask the question, what are the options that we as a county have when it comes to those situations? You said raising taxes is one. What would be another option that we could have? Well, I mean, some of these mandates we choose to not honestly do a whole lot more than say, well, we know it's there. We can't afford it today. And then it stops. <laughs> you know, the discussion stops. But what ends up happening is as long as nothing happens that is that we're required to have in place that, you know, and, and God forbid a life is lost or something happens that's more more critical now we're in a bind because we didn't have that position filled. We hadn't created it. We hadn't funded it. And as you know, every year, I mean, every year our funding cycle starts uh, in about, you know, two to four weeks, we start working on our budget for next year. So it's amazing to think that it's already that time of the year. But that's when we can start putting together, you know, positions or programs or add, you know, uh, a certain types of security, you know, features to our to our infrastructure. Um you know, our courthouse right now, I'm not sure when the last time you were there, but we, we've got these, only one door for the public in and out. you got to have a mask. you got to have, you get temperature. Well, all that was a result of COVID, you know. But prior to that, the courthouse security piece of it kicked in, which we were working on that a year prior to COVID. So we were kind of in a, in a driver's seat because we had done a lot of things to secure the courthouse because of security reasons. And then COVID hit, and that was almost like a, a blessing that we had started working on things prior we were better prepared, but that wasn't by design. It was almost by accident that we were able to uh, use some monies that were earmarked for historical preservation to protect the courthouse. But the people are the, are the ones that we really, you know, kind of, that, that's our focus as a people, not the building. But the monies were able to be used to, to the infrastructure and to, and to make sure that the infrastructure was solid and, and protected and, you know, that the preserved, basically. But generally... Mm-hmm. Um, Taxes is yeah, how you're, yeah. is how you're going to pay for that, and so that is that's us, that's you, mm-hmm. that's me, right. that, that is we. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. And right. while there while there are counties or cities, for example, who have other economic interests or industry that can help kind of offset those um, those funds, we we don't have that kind of revenue. Mm-hmm. In, in Brewster County. So it comes down to taxes, mm-hmm. which is why um, we're always trying to avoid unfunded mandates. Year after year, session after session, somebody introduces a bill to uh, do away with unfunded mandates altogether, but it, <laughs> it never goes anywhere. So somebody's always trying to look out for us, but it, 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 it has never, it never gets anywhere, it never even gets out of a hearing. Like any democracy, right. not enough. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, and, and I think it goes back to the haves and the have-nots because if you think about it, the lobbyists of, of the of the regions or the or the parts of Texas that that do are holding the purse strings. You know, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, oil and gas. There are a lot. There's a lot of money up up in the corridor, and and they are you know kind of looking out for their constituents and for their interests, which yeah, they're Texans, but they're not. West Texans, <laughs> and I think that's where we come back to the whole rural and, and the, you know the, the the counties that don't have the deep pockets, 
that if not for folks like Tack, you know, I mean, I and Jim Allison, you know, he's one of the lead guys up there in the law firm, and he, um, I mean, he knows the code, you know, the code upside down. I mean, he statutes. I mean, no matter what you ask him, he knows where to find it. He can, you know, quote you exactly with verbatim what you know this says or where to find it. He's a lawyer. And he's got, I'm not sure how many years of experience, but he's been there the whole time you've been with the county, mm-hmm. off and on. I bet the guy is probably getting ready to hit 70, uh, and maybe not that old, but but he's been doing this kind of, bu- he's been in this business the majority of his life, you know, so that gives you an idea of what kind of expertise he has. We couldn't afford a guy like that, you know, if we were out here, and, you know, without, without relying on tech, he would be way out of our price range, that's bottom line. So... Um, interestingly, SB 10 also prohibits uh, organizations from discussing legislation related to property tax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't know what else you talk about um, um, with um, other counties mm-hmm. more than taxes. Um, and also uh, legislation related to the military, which mm-hmm. the, those two things are just kind of thrown in there, which seems a little strange. Um, so, like I said earlier, the bill passed the Senate last week and goes back or goes down to the House and then eventually to the governor's uh, office if it gets that far. Um, and so, uh, Representative Morales will have a say pretty soon. Right. And we'll see where it goes from there. And and um, just to kind of get the public comf- uh, kind of acclimated to what the process is, what is next right now? What are we looking at and what are we waiting to see? So it's out of the Senate going to the mm-hmm. House and they'll have a chance to amend it or make changes. Right. right. And, and then they'll vote on it and if they vote in favor of it, now it's up to, I mean, it's pretty much up to the governor mm-hmm. to sign off on it or, or not. But but um, but again, typically, once it makes it that far, then, then September is when these go into effect. Right. It would go into effect September 1st. Right. Of this year. So. And so, which is kind of interesting because our budget's out of that's it's out of the gate by then. You know, we can't go back and say well, we're going to wait on this. We have to have things in place by a certain date. So already, those un- those mandates that come down that are, that we haven't planned for or haven't funded are going to be put on hold for a year. We we just don't have the money to go back and recalculate. You know, kind of our expenditures. Um, there there just isn't there isn't enough time. So it's, it's kind of a weird deal because the the calendar doesn't really line up with the. Uh, the legislative sessions and, and the amending, and then there's a special session that could be carried over. So then all of a sudden you're into the next, you know, uh, we're in a fiscal year budget, but still they have to be done by a certain time in the calendar, in the in the in the yearly calendar. Okay. So there's a lot of moving parts, man. <laughs> a lot of moving parts. Well, we'll be looking forward, and of course, any to any updates we have, we'll. We'll always be reporting on it. Uh, Betsy, anything else you'd like to add on? Uh, that That is all I have for today. I, I, I really hope that um, if you have the chance to reach out to your elected officials that um, that you will do so any time, not just on this. Um, and always try to find ways to to make sure that here in our little area we have we have a voice in Austin. Definitely Mr. Cano, any closing remarks? 
Uh, no, I, I just, uh, I guess a couple of comments. I, I was at a meeting, uh, it's been about three or four years now, and it was a water, uh, interesting, interestingly enough, uh, a Bristol County water, what is it? The water district. Water district, yeah, and it was over at the courthouse. Um, real eclectic bunch, you know, the, the people that are on the board, and there's, you know, from Republicans, Democrats, and older, younger, kind of a really neat group. And um, I kept on, you know, harping on the local control, and we need to make sure that we don't lose sight of this. And this, this, you know, we need to make sure that this board has the final say, and so on and so forth. Anyway, the meeting was over, everything wrapped up, and one of one of uh, she's a friend of mine. She comes over and she says, "Hey, uh, Judge, you really sound like a like a Republican." <laughs> I said, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Well, all this, you know, local control. That's exactly." I said, "Well, that's because I believe that. I, I think that if we don't do our part." Whether you're Democrat or Republican, and you're in, in certain op way, if you're an elected official representing us, we need to keep that in mind because if we don't, if we let go of it, God help us, man. It, it, now it's over. So that's my 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 piece of it is talk to your elected officials, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, and not just here but upstream, because I think it'll be a real interesting thing that that we're going to be looking forward to the next two to four years keep on hearing you know matthew mcconaughey may run for governor which will be interesting <laughs> yeah that's another thing is is a uh, public involvement at the end of the day is the most important thing right and um to all of those listening it is it can be difficult or overwhelming to you know be updated with every single thing and every bill and that's kind of how this show started as mm -hmm. well where we kind of okay let's choose something break it down and get the people more yes. involved mm -hmm. so um we're going to have this show next week as well to keep it going. We're going to keep it going and going and going. And I want to thank you, Judge Cano, for joining for joining us today. Um, contact your local officials. Make your voice heard and stay updated. You know, listen to KVLF for the news and read your local newspaper and let's tune into the meetings, which uh, the next uh, meeting for the commissioner's court will be when? Next Wednesday. Uh, a week, yeah, a week from tomorrow, and um, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to be zooming in because I'll be in Austin, you know, mm -hmm. for some other business. But I'll be attending the meeting via Zoom, but from Austin, uh, back here in Alpine. So every every other Wednesday, the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. All righty, sounds good. So make sure you tune in, get that public involvement in, and tune in also next week on Tuesday where we're going to have this show again. This is Hear Me Out with. Your host, Betsy Esparza and Hector Montemayor Perez. And today, our special judge, Elias Arcano, Brewster County Judge. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're going to leave you with the song that we started with, George Michael's Faith. Let's finish it off. Maybe you had that itch trying to get it back on. <laughs> Thanks, Hector. Thank All righty. Appreciate your time. Thanks, no problem. Betsy. All righty.